most powerful sentence or message that I got was from my maths teacher. And he just said, Pete, you're going to be great at whatever you put your mind to. Wow. Full stop. Just one sentence. And it shifted everything for me. You're listening to the Examine Life podcast with Matt Purcell. Since launching the podcast, I've been overwhelmed by the amount of inboxes, emails, and general feedback about our episodes with Mark Boris, Osher Ginsberg, and now Pete Evans from My Kitchen Rules. Mate, Pete Evans, our next guest, I'll get to him in a second, has sold more books than you can imagine, like from all the competitors from international chefs like Jamie Oliver and all that. He tops the list in Australia for the bestseller for cookbooks and lifestyle. This guy's amazing. So before we get to him, I just want to say that we've received so much feedback from listeners through Australia, through parts of Europe, and even America. I just want to say this is really proving my intuition and my heart right because I get the sense that so many people are searching. People are hungry to find meaning and they're not satisfied with what they're seeing. I'm very excited to introduce my next guest, which is no other than Pete Evans, a celebrity chef, an author, and television presenter. If you're an Australian listener, then you would know Pete Evans' face and his name because he's been the co-host of My Kitchen Rules for nine seasons. He's also hosted and produced two seasons of a show called The Paleo Way. It's a television series which Pete's creating delicious non-inflammatory dishes with special guests. Many people don't know this about Pete, but he hosts an array of shows. So he actually hosts an award-winning PBS series called Movable Feasts, which is up to its sixth season. Pete actually cooks with leading chefs in America, and he learns where to source amazing local produce. For the past 20 years, Peter's been the host of numerous television series, including Fish, so Cooking, Fishing and Travel, The Lifestyle Channel's Home Show, Postcards from Home, as well as 400 episodes of daily cooking show Fresh. Pete Evans is also Australia's number one best-selling author of healthy cooking and lifestyle books. He's dedicated to educating people about nutrition and food and wellness, so he has over 20 books over the last 12 years that have been published in Australia. He's also a certified health coach with qualifications which he gained from New York's internationally recognized Institute of Integrative Nutrition. Pete's a really nice guy. He invited us to his home to be interviewed, and you can tell from the get-go of his interview, he's a deep thinker. We went really, really deep from the start, and he's well-versed in reading, and there's been lots of things said about him that actually isn't factually true. And we get into that in this episode where he talks about how media pieces actually get away with spinning things because it's, it's actually under the guise of opinion pieces and everyone's entitled to opinion. But there's been things said about him and his work that isn't factually true. So I really encourage you to listen as we dive into the tall poppy syndrome, which is in Australian culture to tear people down who want to do well. We talk about comparison to others. We talk about philosophy of life. We talk about authentic self. It's a very well-rounded interview, very authentic, very real, and I can't wait for you to listen to it. So please, without further ado, enjoy this episode with Pete Evans. We've got Chef Pete Evans here. How are you going, Matt? Hey, Matty. Or Paleo Pete, as people call you sometimes. Some people call me that, yeah. <laughs> it's an it's a interesting identity or name, but um, whatever floats everyone's boat. <laughs> I see. We have this desire to, to title and tag things, don't we, you know, as human beings? It's funny. Um, well, I think, that's, I think that's the key right there. I think the, for me, 
I mean, I see so many labels out there of people trying to identify themselves or be part of a certain clique. And it, mm. it, it, I mean, it probably stems actually a lot from religion yep. uh, originally, but that sort of uh, structure of what, how, what do you fit into? And now mm. we see it with different dietary trends, different uh, sexual orientations. So we have these labels for our identity Yeah. that... And whenever somebody presents that to, to me, I always go, well, let's bring it back to the ultimate label of what we are and we're a human being. I love it. And once we start at that, then and we really look at what it means to be human from our evolutionary uh, history. Mm. We can generally find some pretty interesting or, or the clues or the hints of how to behave how to how, how to fit into this world or this identity of being a human being, yeah. and that can come back to food. It can come back to sex. It can come mm. back to love, relationships, connection, uh, thought, belief, all of these things. But if we start at that basic point of what it means to be human, we can. I I believe there that is true freedom and and true honesty. Yes, I love that because that's the first question. I think I had to ask you was, you know, all these labels and tags and we live in such a hashtag environment, you know, online. Yeah. It's like, who is Pete Evans? It's like, <laughs> who, who am I? You know? I've been trying to figure that out for 45 <laughs> years, to be honest with you. And I'm still searching for that authentic self mm. because you have to understand when we are born and when we're raised in our families or our societies or whoever is our guardians and mm. our environment that shapes us, that shapes our identity. So we, get, we build up these layers or, or patterns of behavior, mm. which become our identity and some people, it's their personality. Mm. But you have to ask yourself, when did I learn that? Why did I learn that behavioral pattern? Was it out of fear or was it out of love or was it out of self-preservation? Mm. Through observation, did, watching people, you know? And Did that help me fit into society? Did, did that behavior help me become friends with someone did that that behavior help me get uh, more love from mm. my parents if I achieved well in a subject or achieved well in sport or if I didn't achieve what would that mm. uh, what would be the reaction to me being me to other people and that's how our identities are shaped so for 45 years I've been trying well not even trying but um, consciously searching to understand those questions of who am I? Yeah. You know, and everybody has an opinion. Yeah. Or a judgment on who they think you are. And it could be from, in my instance, it could be from what they've seen on television or what they've read in a magazine or a newspaper or whatever it may be. Mm. And I had a chat with a fellow the other day who was interviewing me. Mm. And he goes, so I've read this, this, and this about you. I said, well, okay, so where did you get your information from? <laughs> What's your source? Yeah. What's your source? Yeah. He's like, oh, you know, where everybody gets their information from. And I pulled him up there. I said, why are you implying that everybody gets their information from where you get it from? Mm, great question. Great he question. goes, oh, okay, but, you know, most people get their information from mainstream media. I said, is that where you get your information from? <laughs> He's like, uh-huh, because that's the world we live in. I said, no, you choose to live in that world to get your information. Wow. I said, so, and he rattled off these, these things about me that he'd read. Yeah. And I said, okay, well, give, give me an idea of which magazine or which newspaper or which media outlet you got that from. Mm. Is it Daily Mail? Is it Woman's Day? Is it New Idea? Uh, yes. 
he, the answer. I said, well, let me ask you a question. Do you honestly believe with your hand on your heart that they represent the truth yeah. and that it's factually correct, the information mm. that you're reading there? If you, if you say 100%, then, then cool. But <laughs> Boy, uh, wow. That would have been an experience for him. Wow. So I said, so, so you're basing your questions about me or my identity off something you've read that you know is not factual. Yeah. I said, how many else, other people in the world do that? So, people, yeah. But I'm happy to answer the question about who, who I am. Exactly. <laughs> so, Is someone with your stature and, you know, like being a, I guess, a celebrity chef. So who do you say you are, Pete? You know, and I think that's really important for people to hear. And uh, the answer to that is a human being expressing myself creatively. Yeah. It's like I'm a searcher too. I've been like always asking questions, always trying to examine, you know, what's popular, always trying to examine so I don't fall prey of just brainlessly believing and following, you know, like there was this funny story in New Zealand uh, about 1,600 sheep followed each other off a cliff. Yep. Yep. And they were like just following the back of the other sheep in front of it. And that was this great metaphor for, until the shepherd came along and said, what are you doing? Stop. <laughs> like, oh my God. Like, but I mean, I find a lot of people, I like that with you know, opinions of other people, what they believe. We're going to examine more, I reckon. And that's mm. completely cool. Everybody has free will to believe what they want to believe. Mm. And it helps them with their own identity a lot of the time. If you compare yourself with others or you judge other people, and it could be harshly, for instance, and mm. which is the case for a lot of celebrities, they get a hard time, especially in this country. Yeah. It's part of the culture for a lot of people. I'm mm. not saying it's a general, but uh, we have a, I had a conversation with this fellow on the plane two days ago, actually. Beautiful man, like beautiful man. And someone I admire greatly. And I never had a chance to sit down, but we had two-hour flight together, I was like, fuck, I'm going to ask this guy some pretty heavy questions because I want to know because he's been in the war. He's now in a very high corporate position. And you just know that you're getting the truth when he he looks at you in the eye, he doesn't skirt around, he's just bang. Mm. And he's writing a book called, uh, the working title is called Tall Poppy. I love it. And as soon yeah. as he said it, I was like, brilliant. And, mm. and he told me the cover, so cover image. And it's about his, his life. Mm. And he said if there's one thing that he would like to change in, in Australia is the tall poppy syndrome and how we cut down people that succeed. Mm. He has, if, if I can make a difference to that, then that's part of his purpose or mission or what he would like to put out into the world. Why do you think people have a tall poppy syndrome? Why, why do they think it's fine, fun or acceptable to be able to criticise the, the doers, you know, the people who are trying to do their truth and do their thing? And... Well, I think it's culturally, culturally based mm. in a place of insecurity and fear. Mm. And it's been, I, I guess, part of, I guess, the Australian culture for so many years mm. and i think it goes and we discussed this with this fellow he goes it goes back to being the prisoners that were sent out here but then mm. also the first settlers and that there was already a divide there between them and then obviously it's our what's happened with the indigenous in this country and a mm. whole host of different things and layers have added to it oh, yeah. plus our reliance on alcohol was huge in this culture as well which alcohol in itself is a type of drug that it's a very egoic drug Mm. it's not you don't drink alcohol to find out more about yourself generally people drink alcohol to to numb yeah what's going on inside them yes medicating almost suppressing suppressing things yeah so we have a culture that's built around alcohol 
I mean, if you think about it, yeah. like in, especially in Australia. Well, we've got more pubs than schools. <laughs> so it goes, it goes hand in hand, and then you're un-Australian if you don't get pissed or you have a beer. And um, <laughs> that type of thing, I mean, you look at Australia Day, for instance, our, our national public holiday. Well, what does that really mean to a lot of Australians? Yeah. What does it mean? Is it a chance to get pissed? Yeah, for some people. Yeah, you look at actions alone. Yeah, for sure. They, or is they, it a chance to actually understand well, what happened? Actually, happened for this to become a public holiday? Is you know, and I'm not going to get into the politics of it, but sure, yeah. but it's interesting when you watch what happens on that day. There's <laughs> a there's a lot of alcohol drinking going on, mm. and what is it? What is that about? What what is it where we live in a culture where we celebrate a sporting victory with? Champagne and beer going off and ah, I know hey. it's, it's it's fascinating yeah like could you imagine if all of a sudden someone pulled out a joint after they won the sporting event and just <laughs> pass it around and I'm not saying one's better than the other or anything like that but we have this uh, you know talk about alcohol it's one of the most destructive drugs on the planet yeah which destroys families you know it destroys people's uh, everything their, their self-esteem their motivation yeah they become angry some of them i mean you can have a glass of wine and have a great time at dinner but it also has that that the potential for it to to destroy so yeah, many people some lives. people don't use it in moderation or with in with they don't think about it they with have, respect yeah with respect that's a good word let's just step back to like where how old were you or where were you in life when you started discovering you know was it is it paleo that's that's your... I'd probably take a step back and, and yeah. really talk about food. Because food, yeah, good. Food, I mean, I don't define myself by my career. It's just one aspect and, and one creative outlet for, for, for me to express myself. Love that. But mm. I was 17 years old and I'd spent... I started work when I was 13 mm. um, at a pie shop, then at 14 at McDonald's and at 15 and 16 at Sizzler, uh, Sizzler to, yeah. to earn pocket money while, I'm, while I was at school. Mm. And I had no desire to become a chef. It wasn't part of my yeah, part of my dream. I didn't really have a dream, to be honest with you. I, I was good at numbers, and I thought maybe I'll do accounting. Yeah. Because I, I like structure. I liked organisation. I like things that made sense. Mm. Part of my makeup. I like that. Um, but I, I didn't get the marks that I needed to to pursue that at high school. So I thought I better get a job because I really wanted to move out of home. <clears throat> I wanted to be independent. Yeah. 17 years old, I wanted to experience the world as a young 17-year-old. And yeah. the only way that I wanted to do that was to live by myself, out of home. Mm. So to do that, I needed to get a job. So I looked at the jobs or the trades that were available to me. Electrician, plumber, mechanic, um, builder, butcher. Yeah. You know, all the trades that are out there. Because I didn't want to go to university, but I thought TAFE... I'll get, a, get an apprenticeship of some sort. Yeah, yeah. And I looked at them all and thought, well, I'm not passionate about any of them, but what is the one that will actually give me a life skill? Yeah. And I looked at cooking I thought, I, I know it's going to be hard, but if I put three or four years in, get my apprenticeship done, then work out what I want to do with my life, at least I'll have a trade that's behind me that I can always get a job in because yeah. I can't see cooking being taken over by robots i mean part of it will but there'll always be that that um that human element that's needed to yeah. prepare food i believe and it's it's such a gift to do mm. and 
But at the core of it, it was a selfish decision to get out of home, to get a job, to get a trade, but also to be able to look after myself through the simple act of cooking. Because mm. I didn't know how to cook at that age, at that, that point in time. And hopefully one day it'll be taught in schools all around the country so kids will leave school with 10 recipes up their sleeve that are budget-friendly, nutritious, that they can cook with their eyes closed. Yeah. That would be the ideal scenario for one of the tools that people learn at school. Mm. Unfortunately, that's not what's taught no. at, at most schools. So for me, it was, again, a selfish decision, to, but to learn a life skill. And from that has escalated to <laughs> be on television, to teaching cooking, to writing cookbooks, to making documentaries, to uh, studying health and understanding how food and health intersect. Because health was, at the age of about 20, health became very important to me. Yeah. And there was, a, there was a point in time where I was going to give away cooking and actually go and become a chiropractor or study these types of uh, different therapies. Mm. But I was... I was, I could, then I got offered an opportunity to become a business partner in a restaurant. So I was like, oh, what do I do here? What do I do? You know? And I chose the path that felt the safest at that particular point in time. Mm. I didn't follow my passion. I followed what I felt was safe to protect me and give me an income. Mm. It was really, really interesting looking back on it. Yeah, yeah. So I persevered with cooking and kept cooking. And, and because I dedicated myself to it i went all in i was mm. like okay i need to get really good at this mm. and so i i applied everything that i could to learn how to become a very good chef in the shortest amount of time possible so i studied from the world's best chefs australia's best chefs i went to their cooking classes at every opportunity i could and i studied the best mm. i studied them yeah. and i just i was like a sponge i thought i'm in this game now I don't know for how long, but I'm in this. Let's become really good at it. Mm. And I believe I'm, I got to that point in my career as being a good chef. And yeah. then media came around. And I was like, okay, well, I'm really bad at this. <laughs> really? Holding a microphone, you, looking at a camera. Were you, were you really? I was the shyest kid ever. So this, really? was, wow. if this was 20 years ago. Fuck me. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I would be... <laughs> <laughs> feeling sick and nervous and anxious and probably would have said no thank you wow and but when that opportunity came i said no to start with but then i got offered it again to be on television i was like oh, okay here we go this is another test mm. and from that moment i knew i was probably the worst presenter on television and i saw enormous growth for me to learn yeah and just like I did with cooking, I thought, well, if I can learn how to cook really well, and I didn't have a passion for it, I do have a passion for it now because it developed as you delve into these types of decisions that we make. Mm. And I wanted to create a passion for it because I realized there was a gift in that, gift in cooking food for people that would create a lasting memory. Mm. But also you get something out of it too when you cook something for somebody else. Yeah. It's, it's reciprocated. And it takes a while for you to... It took a while for me to get that. Mm. And now I get it and, and you know, I, I love cooking every day. I love cooking for my family more so than anyth anything. You know, that's a true gift. But then when the media side came, I had a lot to learn. And I've still got a lot to learn, which is why I'm I've been doing it now nearly 20 years. And I started here, I reckon I'm about a 
five out of ten, and, and I've still got a long way to go. Wow. To where I feel like I would have gotten to a point where I'm completely at ease and free and, and mm. happy in that space. I've still got more growth. And that's the, wow. the growth for me is, again, looking inward and finding out what are some of the blocks and, and uh, negative beliefs that I have about my own performance and my own uh, being <laughs> as being somebody that can share information. Your story is just full of like rebellion to a lot of the messages that are said to young people today in a sense of, hey, like you've got to find your career. And no, you don't. Find... Yeah, <laughs> you, you don't. don't. How, like, this is what I tell young people. It's like, listen, they're freaking out. They inbox me around, oh, what do I choose for a career? I'm like, listen, you're 18. Last year when you were at school, you had to put your hand up and ask for permission to go to the toilet. Yeah. And then you now you're stressing out about you know, mum's putting pressure on you, society's putting pressure on you. You, know, you need to find this career and, and commit to it and you're not allowed to do anything else. That's so much pressure. So much pressure. Yeah. And then look at your story. You're like, well, no, I could have done easier stuff. And, and there's option anxiety in society. Like, There's lots of people in that same position where like, there's, you type in seek.com and there's 18,000 jobs that you can yeah. apply for. So how do you narrow it down? You just followed... It wasn't about... It was about money to, be, to get independence. But see, the independence was the, the reason. Yep. See, that's the thing. It's not like popularity. It's not like a lot of people are chasing that to impress someone or to be approved by someone. But you're just like, hey, I just want to be... I want to grow. Well, uh, I spoke with Mark Boris, who you've spoken to as well. And mm. I told him this story that when I was at school, there was the most powerful sentence or message that I got was from my maths teacher and just one day out of the blue we were having a chat I think I was in grade 10 or grade 9 grade 10 I think it was and he just said looked up he was doing scoring something and I was getting my exam back or something and he and he said Pete you're going to be great at whatever you put your mind to wow full stop just one sentence and it shifted everything for me. Isn't it amazing? And it wasn't his belief in me. Hmm. It was just, you will be good at whatever you choose to be good at. And I believe that is true for every single human being on the yeah. planet. Because we all have our own strengths and, and gifts and talents. Hmm. And you don't have to be the best to share that. No. I think there's a fear around not being the best or being the, the smartest or being the brightest or being the best of something. Mm. Because if I thought everyone's better than me, well, my thought was everyone is better than me at cooking. Mm. Let me learn from them. And I never had the, the, the desire to be better than them. I just wanted to learn from the best. Isn't it interesting that someone else in that same position could look at someone and be like, I'm not as good as them. So therefore, my actions are going to be, I'm not going to even try. Yeah. But you're like, oh, they're better than me. I want to learn from them. It's an interesting. Is that a choice, do you think? Is that something that's a choice for everybody? That they have that same fork in the road. It's like, oh, I could either learn or just go away. Uh, for me, I found it very natural. But mm. it came to me at a different points in my life. Yeah. Like I, wasn't, I don't think that was me at going through school. Like I, was, I didn't really enjoy going to school. I found mm. it a waste of time, personally. Yeah. yeah. And I've spoken to a lot of people that have been successful in their lives who have the same thought. Yeah. You know, but I've also spoken to some people that 
really love school, mm. love the environment, love that learning, and by doing that went on to become doctors, for instance. You know, sure. it, mm. it, it resonated with their makeup, mm. how their brains work, how they take in information. So we're all different and we have to understand that. So some people are freaking good at academics. Other people are freaking good at creativity. Yeah. Other people are great at sports or movement. Mm. You know? And again, that comparison, you just have to not compare yourself to every single person. That's why self-awareness is so important, right? And, and do the things that, that make you happy, mm. bring you joy, and that you feel like you want to explore. Mm. So health, going back to, I didn't finish what I was saying, but health has been something that I've been fascinated with for 25 years. Mm. I wasn't the healthiest of children. I've constantly got sick, bronchitis, tonsillitis, the whole thing. And looking back, I was like, Fuck, if only I was eating this, I probably wouldn't have had all of that. Yeah. You know, I'm not blaming my mum or anything like that. She didn't yeah. know. Mm. But now looking back, I was like, oh, that's why I was sick all the time, this, this. And I've changed my diet. This is pretty cool. So now... I have this passion for food, but my bigger passion is actually understanding how our thoughts, our emotions, our beliefs, and how our bodies work. So you could call it a holistic health, I guess, uh, interest or curiosity or passion. And I'm not obsessive about it, but I like to learn something every day or yeah. every few days. I'll, I'll, I'll listen to a podcast or read a book or find something to help further my education or interview people that I admire. Yeah. And now I'm in this really beautiful place in my life where I get to incorporate food, which I love, health, which I love. Mm. And also, more and more as I'm going down this path is I'm bringing in that, that awareness of how we think and how we believe and how we make choices. So, yeah, behavioral which, stuff. And, which, and again, I'm, I'm at the beginning of that, even mm. though I've studied it on myself for 25 years. But now I feel like, okay, I, th I think I'm... One of my strengths, I believe, is joining the dots for people. Mm. So with the food, for instance, this isn't my... Paleo, I didn't come up with it. Right? I've read lots of books and interviewed lots of doctors and professors and scientists that are getting results with this. Mm. But my gift is to turn, put that information into delicious recipes. Yeah, That's all I'm doing. I'm sharing mm. recipes that have got meat, vegetables, fruit, nuts, seeds, seafood in it maybe eggs as well that's a and how many different permutations can i do with different spices and different herbs millions yeah i got you can be so creative with it right yeah, yeah it's, it's so creative it's it's endless and i feel like i've done a really good job so far of translating the science into delicious food yeah and now i feel like i'm at that point now where i can talk about holistic health on a, on a different way so it's not just food Mm. And I used to get a hard time, I still do, from people that go, you shouldn't be talking about health because you're only a chef. But, um, you're, but you're not. But I'm sharing recipes. Yeah, yeah, but you've, I mean, you've not just learning in your own time, but did you do some study with nutrition? Did yeah. You, you're a nutritionist. Coach, every, day. You? Yeah, every day. Yeah, every day. Every <laughs> day. Because, you know, in philosophy, there's an, um, when people attack someone for the lack of credentials and oh, they yeah. look at the argument, it's called argument from authority. Yeah. You know, and I feel like that's been put on you a lot. You yeah. know, like, oh, because you don't have a PhD and this, this, and this, therefore you couldn't talk. But look at the argument, look at what you're saying. Like, look, look, are I could, people. I could probably say that I've studied 
however many hours that people study in a university on health and nutrition or whatever their chosen thing is, I would have eclipsed that tenfold mm. in my own studies with through different outlets. Mm. So the the old the wisdom of the crowds is is a great. If you type in Wisdom of Crowds by Ted Norton and watch that, you will understand why The Anointed, which is the, the original stalwarts of information, the universities and these types of churches, for instance, where information gets funneled through, mm. no longer exist anymore with the, with the current modern-day world we have with social media and, and people expressing themselves. So mm. the, that way of learning is... is There'll always be a... It'll always exist, yeah. but it's not the be-all and end-all. No. And especially when you start to dig a little deeper and find out why that information is being taught in those institutions the way that it is. Mm. And generally, you can find that there's a financial or a mm. financial motive behind that yeah. or an agenda behind that. And I'm not getting into conspiracies here, but it doesn't take too much information or too much digging to understand why so many people have a problem with me promoting eating meat and vegetables. It's, and all I can say is it'll always come down to the money. Yeah, it's just, just you're, you're potentially disrupting their, um, their model, their business, or their, and the way things are, and, and reputation. Yeah. And reputation, and I think that's probably the biggest one. Because if a guy like Pete Evans, who doesn't have a PhD and in, in, in you know, have all this stuff that you need to be able to talk about stuff, if he can be listened to, then what does it mean for them? What does it mean for everyone in, in society? Well, I think you answered the question. Everyone can make up their, their own decisions for themselves <laughs> instead of being told what to do. Mm. And I think that's the key and the key message is that we all intuitively know what's right for us mm. and we all have this immense intelligence or innate intelligence that we have all the answers inside of us mm. to, to all of our issues and all of our uh, illusionary problems <laughs> you know if we're willing to ask that question what does it mean for me as a human being to look after myself emotionally, physically, uh, into the future. What are the things that I'm going to need to, to do? Mm. And so many people look elsewhere for, for their answers, which we can get from elsewhere, but really we need to look inwards mm. and trust our own self That's and it. trust our own decision-making process and work out what our priorities and values are. Yeah. And once you know your, what your values are in what priority they are, then you'll be able to understand why you make the decision that you make each and every day, mm. whether it be the food that you eat, whether it be the, the friends that you have, whether it be the, the um, job that you're doing, whether it be the person that you choose to have a loving relationship or persons that you choose to have a romantic relationship with, mm. and whether they're self-serving or whether they're uh, sabotaging yeah, for you. Yeah, it's well said. It's like I always like to say... Um, with every practice that you see, ask yourself, what's the purpose of the practice? Yeah. And comparing yourself to others is a, is a, huge, uh, a huge pitfall that people can fall into, especially with social media. Yeah. Because everyone posts their... Their, their showreel. Yeah, <laughs> their, their, their best <laughs> moments of their life, which is cool. You know? Yeah. It's a great diary for yourself and it's a great marketing tool too if you use it wisely. Mm. But the problem comes down is if you spend too long and, and, and looking at other people and going, 
I want to be like them, or why has they got why why mm-hmm. do they have that life and I have this? Because playing the victim can be um, a very hard identity or personality trait to shift. Yeah, victimhood in this country is is rife, and blaming others yeah. is is extremely can be detrimental. Yeah, there's, there's a there's a little model we use in life coaching called um yeah people tell bedtime stories. There's a there's a line above the line and the, below the line. Yep. Below the line is they tell bedtime stories like B is blame, yep. B is excuses, and D is denial. Yep. Thinking. One of the biggest fears I I see and I experience with people is fear of their own potential. Mm. You know? Yes. Because if I change the way that I eat, that will actually change how I feel and how I go, go about the day mm. because I will have more energy. I will have time to be more creative. What does that mean? Does mm. that mean that I'm going to wake up earlier in the morning feeling fresher? What does that mean to my partner that I'm in bed with? Mm. How is that going to affect her or him? Or What's that going to do? Mm. And then if I show up for work or to school and I'm feeling fantastic and my mates are there eating their junk food, and they're feeling crappy, and I want to go out and play and do this, how does that change? Because maybe I I feel like I won't be as close to my friends anymore because I'll have this extra energy. And I'm just using a a very basic analogy here. But but you you can extrapolate on this and see where it can lead. But fear of potential of what you... what we're all able to achieve in this life. And achieve not by earning something and becoming famous or earning money, but actually living your authentic self, doing the things you like to do, mm. can really shake your closest friends and family because they identify with you as this. And if you change that, they, they can sometimes find it very difficult for your evolution. Mm. I mean, I've witnessed it myself and I've witnessed it in so many different people that once you decide to live a different life for yourself, that uh, it can affect very your close-knit community. Yeah. And that's cool. <laughs> and that's, that's you can lead by example or you will lose friends along the way. Yeah. And, and that's think, also cool because you'll, you'll yeah. gain new ones. Yeah, that's right. And you'll find more like-minded people as you, as you average up or, or toward your potential. And as I think the tall poppy topic before i think that's got a lot to do with it as well is some people don't want to lose that person they have in their mind you know like pete you're always this you were never like that pete you know you come back here like you used to hang with all the time now you're not yeah (laughs) because they and and there was an element of control there yeah they can control that you in that position yeah and or manipulation or something but we're all free to make our own decisions Hmm. I went for a swim earlier today down at the ocean pool with my dog and mm-hmm. or our dog, and I saw this 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 elderly lady paddled over and was having a chat to me, and she goes she goes I know what you do but I want to tell you what I do I said okay please she goes I'm a sculptress a sculptor I make sculptures and you can see them on the walk around Little Bay or Coogee mm-hmm. and I'm going to go check them out and I said so what else did you do she goes I taught arts at uh, at school. She goes, I was what you would call an academic. Okay. <laughs> and this was two hours ago. <laughs> I was like, oh, interesting. I said, obviously, you got to do what you love to do. She goes, yeah, I did. And I still do. She goes, I still want to... 
quite an older elderly lady. She goes, I still want to build a, a new sculpture for Maruba, and I'm, I'm campaigning for to get the funds from the council to see if I can put something on the at Maruba. And I'm like, mm. here's the perfect um, definition of what it means to be human: is to find your passion and somehow incorporate that into your life and, and express it with others. Mm. You know, and she's created these things, and now I'm fascinated to go see what she's created. Yeah, it could be good. It could be something I don't uh, that I don't like personally, but I'm curious to see what this lady has shared with with the world because it it doesn't matter to her whether I like it or not. I know, isn't it amazing? Yeah, it's, it's her expressing herself. If you want to become a better you in any way, relationally, business, or whatever. Here are three things that you can actually control and change today. First thing is you can control what goes into your mouth for hydration or fuel for your body. Second thing is you can influence how many hours of sleep and rest you get a day. Third thing is you can make time to move your body in a healthy way to get some exercise. What's the point of having a grand plan to build a great empire or have a long marriage and a long family life if you're going to put in negative, toxic things in your body that are going to jeopardize and short-circuit potentially your plans to live long. This is where Fast Fuel Australia really helps. I'm an ambassador for Fast Fuel because this is their central message, becoming a better you. And how do we do that? Fundamentally, we need to start with what we can control. What we can control is those three things, and we can change those things today. Fast Fuel Australia is dietitian approved, chef prepared meals delivered to your home or business. There are cafes around Australia. You order online and you can order vegan, paleo, keto, weight loss, muscle gain. There's so many different categories that will suit your purposes and your aims. It's a balanced diet, not just like an easy weight loss option, although there is weight loss options on there. The key for fast fuel and the central message is to have a sustainable way, not just a quick fix where you drop a bunch of weight and you put it back on because your body doesn't cope with that. And if you look into fast fuel, it's all the packaging is environmentally friendly and recyclable or disposable. It's definitely helped my life in my busy schedule. I believe so many people are missing out on the benefits of having fast fuel because they're not aware of it. I want you to jump on fastfuelmeals.com.au and order, I think it's 30% off your first order, but if you put in my unique code, MATTYP20, they'll give you 20% off every time you order after that first purchase. So please jump on fastfuelmeals.com.au and see it for yourself. I'd like to know what you have experienced from the things you're putting out. Sure. Yeah, and um, what message, in the second part of this question is, what message do you hope that people will get from from everything you're putting out because with all the distractions and voices of the media we've got a chance to hear it from yourself sure hopefully some delicious food (laughs) that's (laughs) awesome just yeah that spice of life actually is the the intention for each and every book that i write each and every recipe that goes into it is if someone recreates this is that going to bring them joy or is Mm. it going to bring joy to their family if if a mum or a dad or the kids cook it for themselves or share it with others. Will that bring them that moment of, ah, how good's life, you know? How good is life when you're eating delicious food? Mm. I mean, it's that much brighter than when you're eating bland, boring, disgusting food. Mm. And 
so that for me is is always the fundamental intention uh, mm. for the cookbooks is can we get people to appreciate f- beautiful nutritious food that is going to benefit them mm. for me what i mean on a on a larger scale the reason that apart from my personal pursuits which is my creative expression to put these things into the world mm. but the larger thing is what happens when people are functioning from a place of fantastic vibrancy and um and good health yeah i mean what how will that change the world yeah how will that affect change their decision making their choices you know and, and therefore their results in life and their relationships and- well let's just take for instance the the simplest one is if parents are feeding themselves really good food and they're feeding that to their families, so kids are growing up in an environment where they're healthy and the parents are healthy and they're mentally clear, mm. that means less pain, obviously, in the body, mm. but also clearer thoughts, which brings about more happiness and joy mm-hmm. in everyday life. So those parents with their children are having a more beautiful bonding relationship. Mm. So what will that change for the coming generations. Yeah. Those children, when they grow up, who've had a beautiful relationship with their parents, because the parents aren't fucking moody and they're not grumpy and they're not tired and they're not in pain and they're not popping antidepressants and they're not <laughs> on pharmaceutical pills which send their brains off into all these different directions. Mm. What happens when we're functioning from a beautiful human space mm. of unconditional love, trust and acceptance and connection mm. and just being present? Yeah. That's that. that's that's the freaking that's that's the magic right there. Yeah, yeah. Because that has a flow-on effect. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that that can never be underestimated, and that's why I love doing what I do. You know, I'm only one small part of of the growing movement of this. Mm. And um, will everyone end up having a healthy diet? I don't know. You know, you'd like to think so. Yeah. For the sake of the planet, it would be good if we could grow organically and holistically and rebuild the topsoils and and help with uh, our pollution problems and all of these things. And there's so many flow-on and follow-on effects from people eating well. Yeah, it's like what you said, the flow-on effect is like from the family unit, generations. Yeah. Like habits from family member to family member. Like that's, that's, that's crazy. I, be- I love that. Because most of our identity is shaped from our parents yeah. in the first seven to ten years of, of our childhood. We learn our beliefs and our programming, yeah. mainly from our parents and our daycare and schools, these mm-hmm. types of things, so, yeah. and our environment. So if we start off with parents that are actually present, right? Yeah, well, that's, that's, <laughs> that's a great goal to aim for, you know, be being mindful of the moment and of each other and this meal and wherever we're at. And energetic and and want to do things with the kids. Mm. How different is... Are they going to approach their careers and their world and and their children and the whole thing? So that's that's what I'm excited about. And one last question. With the Magic Pill documentary, what is it that you want people to come away from? What's your hope? So that the intention for that was to plant the seeds, hmm. yeah. really plant the seeds, and then it's up to everyone to water them if they choose to, hmm. but just to actually demonstrate the power that changing your diet can have on 
all walks of life, on all age groups with different uh, debilitating or chronic illness. Mm. And within 10 weeks, what can happen? Yeah. That was the intention. It wasn't, it's not there to create controversy or anything like that. For me, it was a gift to put into this world. And the next one that I'm doing will tackle uh, human consciousness. So very, very similar. Love it. We will take families or individuals through uh, that are battling similar types of things. But instead of diet-related diseases, we'll do mental uh, illness and different types of uh, uh, behavioral problems that people have. Mm. And leading them through a way. So it's like NL. Oh, NET. NET. That's yeah. So yeah. NLP is neuro linguistic programming. programming yeah. NET is neuro emotional technique, mm. and it's something that I've studied myself and and had therapies done on me for the last twenty years. And wow, my children do it as well, and it's profound. It really is profound. But that'll mm. that'll be one part of it. But there'll be different tools for people to understand who they are. I love it. And how to navigate this modern world that we live in and how to re reconnect to self and to others and to the planet and to nature mm. so that's the next thing because the food thing is so easy yeah <laughs> the food i always say the the like trust me the food thing is the simplest out of all of them mm. actually understanding what, how you think and the decisions that you make and why you make them yeah that that that's that's an adventure yeah but it's a bloody good it's adventure it's fun the thing that I would encourage people to, to do, like we've talked about in this conversation, is whatever you see of Pete's or of anything that you see that has influence in society, to come up to your own conclusion and do some research and ask some questions around it you know, and ask where the source comes from. It's all basic critical thinking skills. Well, most of the stuff that's written about me are opinion pieces. <laughs> so that means I can't uh, sue them for... Defamation, defamation, yeah. Because it's an opinion. Mm. And we're all entitled to our opinions. And apparently you can actually print your opinions in (laughs) mainstream media. So there's a... Facts versus opinion. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. That's how they get around it. That's why Mm. when people read it, they they think it's true. Mm. Because it's somebody's opinion. Mm. Which is... uh, So be careful with what you read. Uh, And for anyone, any of the kids or um, teenagers watching this, you will be great at whatever you choose to do you know so love that and so pete evans thanks for joining us mate cheers matty thank you everyone thanks for listening to examine life podcast with matt purcell i'd encourage you to jump on my website mattpurcell.com and you'll find a lot of what i do on there so i speak i'm a life coach i run businesses i've released a new book on mindfulness and mental health it's called life hacks for mindful living It's a pocket full of practices to help you deal with your stress, your anxiety, and give you some philosophical and psychological tools to win the day. Thanks so much for listening. Keep sending emails, keep sending inboxes with your feedback. We love it. And we can't wait to share our next episode on the Examine Life podcast. Thanks again.